This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Someone can fact check me. I'm sure you will, by the way. Um, (laughs) If I've learned anything right now, I'll be fact checked. But I think that as far as I know, this is the first time in modern history that the Charlie Brown Christmas special was not aired on major national network. Um, It first came out in 1965. I'm not going to ask how many of you are old enough to have seen it the first time. I'm part of the second wave that watched it. A decade is a lot, like between... But do you remember this? Here, let me see if you remember I this. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, big, please. Big head in the way. Sorry. <laughs> and there were in the same country shepherds. Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. Does anybody remember that? Right? (laughs) Duh. Okay. All right, but let's be honest. It's 11.30, some of you younger people here. How many of you have never heard of this before? It's cool. No, no shame in this. I just am curious. It's, it's not exactly anime, right? Like, this is not high-energy uh, animation here. I, I, I wanted to share it with you. First of all, because I don't think it was on television, so I just wanted to make a statement that it, it's still here. But at the same time, I was... Uh, reminded of what he's really saying there, which is Linus is, you know, through Charles Schultz, by the way, uh, CBS in the original airing did not want to air this part. Like Charles Schultz put his uh, foot down and was able to communicate the gospel on national television. Um, but what was interesting to me as I was reading to the end of Revelation 22, that what the meaning of Christmas is, is God with us. That's Matthew 1, 23. Emmanuel, God with you, with me. And when you think about God with you, the end of Revelation 22, it actually talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus being with you. It actually reminded me of what it means to hike the Himalayan mountains, which I had the privilege of doing late last year. And when you hike in the Himalayas, you're going to need you a Sherpa, to get through this, okay? You don't need somebody drawing some directions on a napkin and wishing you well. 
Um, you don't need a, a phone, and, you know, for the last 24 to 48 hours, a lot of us are like, well, good thing, because I didn't have a phone here either. I can't even find my way to Walmart without this. But you need someone to go with you. And that's what Pasong was for us. Pasong was our Sherpa. And these men here from Oregon, uh, friends of mine, we began a hike into the Himalayas. And the thing is, is if you want to get to see things like this, you're going to need somebody like him to get you there. Pasong with you. Now, I want you to think about that as I read to you Revelation 22, verses 22 and 20, or 20 and 21. That's what I want to read to you. Revelation, and I want you to think about Pasong the Sherpa as I'm reading these words to you. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's John saying that. And then verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. To get through a great tribulation, like is described in Revelation. To get through a mini-tribulation, which is what many of us are experiencing. There's capital T tribulation that's coming. There's little t tribulation that many of us have experienced, are experiencing right now. And what we need to get us through that is a Sherpa called grace. The grace of of our Lord Jesus. The last words of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, are a curse. The last sentence of the New Testament, not just the book of Revelation, of the New Testament, is grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus to be with you. You see, Pasong, when he took us on this journey... Again, he didn't high-five us and then I'll see you at the end. He, he was with us. He, he knew what we were supposed to do. Like He knew uh, what we were supposed to wear. It turns out that's kind of important. He knew where we were going. And when I look at this and realize that's kind of the language of grace being with you, grace being your Sherpa is exactly what we need for whatever tribulation you're at. This is true of a pandemic lockdown policies. This is true of anxiety, of depression, of death, of sickness. That the mountains that we are going through, what we need is a Sherpa that could guide us through. Matthew 1, verse 23. Jesus, his name meant Emmanuel. Not Emmanuel. Like, I'm going to give you a map and a manual and tell you good luck. It is Emmanuel that I'm actually going to be with you. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the word. I am the one that will be with you in this. That's the grace of Jesus. And that's why John, after 22 chapters of this, and by the way, if you've made it since June, congratulations, you've made it through an entire study of the book of Revelation. And if there's anything that the Holy Spirit wants to leave you through, this is that whatever is coming ahead to this church in AD 95, to the church in 2020, is whatever is ahead, as long as you've got the Sherpa with you, you're going to be okay. 
that's what we're talking about today. I can't think of a better way to end the book of Revelation than the reminder that grace be with you as your Sherpa. And in that moment of Sherpa, the thing that Pasong did for us was the first thing was he actually told us, hey, this is what you're doing. Like he was coaching us on how to live in this like, for instance, one of the things I didn't know about hiking in uh, high altitudes, some of you Colorado people might know this, this was new information to me, was once you hike for 8, 10, 12 miles, you get to the camp, the tea house, or whatever, but you don't stop there. You go a little bit further up, a little higher in elevation to get your oxygen levels monitored, get it leveled off, and then you come back down, and then you sleep for the night. Now, you don't have to do that, but if you don't do that, your life is going to be miserable. Basong knew that. He knew what to do. He knew exactly what it was going to take for us to make it through this hike. And when I think about that, there were a lot of things we could have been doing on this hike that would have completely wasted our time, things that would have wasted our energy, things that would not have gotten us where we needed to go. I was reminded of, um, and by the way, this verse, why, why this jumps out at me here is why grace is going to tell us what to do, is verse 12. It says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give each person according to what they have done. You see that language? That's not the language of punishment. This is the language of grace. This is the Bema seat language. The language of, hey, you're going to do these things and I'm going to reward you for them. How many of you guys have run track before and run cross country? And, right? At the end of that, there's somebody there telling you, hey, this is how good you did. This is your time. You got a PR on this one. The, the language that Paul uses of Bema seat judgment is not about punishment. It's not about if I do this wrong and I'm going to be punished for this. In fact, he, in book of Corinthians, he actually talks about it, that that stuff is going to be burned up, not as a punishment, burned up as a mercy. I won't remember any of it anymore. Just, just gone. And what's left, the gold, the silver, the pure, will be rewarded for that. So what is it that we do that's rewarded for? Because you could do a lot of things, right? This next year, look, this last year, there was a lot of stuff we could do. Not all of it would be considered sinful, shouldn't do that. A lot of it was, you know, just not a good use of time. My first summer of uh, gainful employment uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Anybody spent a summer in Atlanta? Am I right? It's like spending a month in somebody's mouth. Just the whole thing is just hot. But uh, I was working for a guy named Chuck Tilly. We were at Atlanta Fest, and I was a booking agent, and he had this storage because he was a festival. It was all these CDs and press kits and just, uh, just garbage, quite honestly. And so I thought, I'm going to spend this weekend, I'm going to clean this storage for Chuck, and he's going to be so happy because, I, because somebody did this. So I, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to tell him on Monday, and I'm, I'm looking for the attaboy for it, and I got not an attaboy. I got a, that's not really what I wanted you to do. I would have rather, Darren, if you're going to come in and work a weekend, come in and book some shows. Make some money for the company. 
Do like you can make money. I hired you to be a rainmaker, not a rain spender. So I learned a very valuable lesson that doing what my boss has asked me to do, would want me to do, is a way better use of my time than doing what I want him to want me to do. And what does Jesus want us to do? If you want a fun exercise for studying in these next few weeks, go through the New Testament. Just Google it or find it. The five crowns in the New Testament of rewards for things. There's this First uh, Thessalonians two nineteen is this crown of rejoicing, and that crown is about Paul's talking about the rejoicing of like people that have come into the kingdom because of me. He says, are you not my crown for that? And it's something that he rewards. One of the things that he talks about that is important to him is serving and loving the least of these brothers of mine. I remember, it's been 15 years ago now, and I first started was going through the Bible in that way, and, and I began to realize, like, I don't even know anybody that knows anybody that's an orphan or a widow. Like, I didn't know anybody that knew anybody that lived in a place like Haiti. And so I'm looking at Matthew 24 and 25, and he's going to say to them on that day, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you visit me when I was in prison? And I'm over here going, uh, nope, uh, nope, nope. Like, you know, like when you get to the end, you're like, I already know the answers on the test, and I, I knew the answers, and I went in. I didn't know the you know, I just still didn't have the answers right. It, by the way, this is not out of works to be saved. This is out of Jesus has done so much for you. And by the way, this is so much grace in what Jesus does because uh, how many of you guys have somebody, don't have to raise your hands, I guess, somebody on the Christmas list that is so rich that they don't need anything. You know what I'm saying? It, by the way, if that person on your list has a jet, that's, if you're wondering, that's the person. Like, uh, you get him a seat cover for the jet? Do you, like, koozies, cup holders? Like, there's really nothing that I could give to them that they don't already have. Now, imagine the God of the universe who makes the people who make jets, okay? What does he need? Nothing. Nothing. He asks, he creates, he has designed you to serve him, and he doesn't need anything. So he sets up something quite beautifully in Matthew 24 and 25. He says, when you've done it for the least of these brothers of mine, then you've done it unto me. It counts as if you've served me. They don't, I don't need anything, but they do. You serve them, and it counts as if you've done it to me. If there's one thing that Pasong could tell us along the way is, hey, stay on this path, do these things. If there's one thing that Jesus can tell us on this path is that, Wix, like what you guys are doing, that's Jesus the whole thing, feeding families all over the place that can't help themselves, that can't possibly repay you for what you've done, that's Jesus. That's the kind of stuff that makes him happy because it's what he asked us to do. Not out of burden, not out of trying to get him to love us back, but just out of this is what we do to love Jesus. And by the way, if you've been a part of the Conduit Church family in just the past year, I want to tell you, you've already been a part of this. When you get to the point when Jesus says, hey, I'm, on that day, did you feed me? Did you clothe me? Did you? You'll be able to say, yes. Remember, like 10 years ago, back in March, when the tornadoes ripped through Nashville and you guys just jumped into action and started serving and helping and rebuilding. and like You guys already, we didn't even have a pandemic yet and y'all were already on it. 
But then, of course, the pandemic hit, and there was isolation, and there was loneliness. And one of the things that we did, that you did, was go into laundromats. Do you get, how many of you been to a laundromat lately, right? Like, did you know that, like, doing laundry is like a car payment? Like, it's not cheap. It was like gum money back when I was young, but it's like six, seven dollars now. So, but we went in because we figured families that were going to be the most vulnerable at a moment when jobs were lost were going to be those in laundromats. We didn't want anything in return. We just sent in conduits who reached forward in courage and bravery at a time when it was very uncertain and said, we're going to go and risk and we're going to love these brothers and sisters. We prayed for them. We blessed them. And then, of course, we went to Sonic for the healthcare happy hour. There's my little Vanna White there. We were serving healthcare workers the treats. And then as the, the months wore on, we were realizing immediately that there's a lot of people in our world that were feeling very scared, very alone, very isolated. We were being told, stay inside. Don't go near anyone. You'll kill your grandma. You've got to, it was nothing but fear. And as myself and some pastors were praying through this thinking, I think there are probably some people right now that just need some hope. And so do you remember back in April and then again in May, the Beyond Our Walls event that we did, we banded together with 30 to 35 churches of every color of nation, of ethnicity, and we all went together and financed, and over 10,000 people showed up at the first one and over 10,000 at the second one, and we gave a night of hope for brothers and sisters in Middle Tennessee. And we didn't wait until just Tennessee we realize that, you know, when they start locking down stuff in our country, we're all mad because we're waiting for the stimulus check. We're all mad because we're sending uh, $1.2 billion to Pakistan, but we get $600, which is just about enough money to buy the going out of business signs for those people. Like, it, we're all frustrated about that, as we should be, but, you know, they're not frustrated about that in Kenya because there's no money coming for them. Like, there is no money coming in Honduras, in Nicaragua, in Guatemala, in Iraq. There's no checks coming. And so what we did was we began to immediately organize food programs, food for. What I, I've lost track. I honestly, I'm not trying to be coy about this. I lost track at 100,000 meals. That's all I can know. It's, somewhere, it's well over that. But 100,000 meals were paid for and served by conduits in this little nickel and dime church. I guess I can't call it that anymore. And that stretched all the way to Guatemala, to the Los Cososos Special Needs Orphanage. It stretched to Haiti. In fact, just this week, right now, there are hundreds and hundreds of meals being distributed right now in Jacmel, Haiti, just even today. And of course, in the middle of all that, we began to realize in a time when racial reconciliation, when there's racial tension in our own country and the question of whether or not black lives matter, there was a question that I was asking, which was, do Pakistani lives matter? Do Nepali lives matter? Do the, the, Their house is on fire. And so we began to reach out to our brothers and sisters in Southeast Asia and sat, we just started setting slaves free. It's the craziest thing. I can't believe it worked. I can't believe it's still working. And right now, if you walk out in this hallway, you're going to begin to see what's starting out here, this hall of freedom. That's only like 41 families. We're actually at 61 families. So we're at 20 more families coming. I hope that we're constantly behind on the pictures on here because we're setting them free so fast. 
61 families. It represents almost 800 people that were slaves that are not slaves anymore. It represents $100,000 of money that happened here. Have you done it for the least of these? And I've, I can just imagine it in my heart when I hear some, like Jesus saying to you on that day, and you said, but when, Jesus, when did I feed you? When, I, when did I visit you? Like, are you kidding me? You went to conduit. Every Sunday you were doing that when you were being generous with it. That's what's happening there. And by the way, this year, I was probably more concerned than I've ever been uh, because when we started building this building and people that are around, elders, leaders know that when we started to say this, we need to lay low on our mission while we build this and then we can come back and do the mission again. That made me angry. That is not even kind of an option. And if that is the only option, then we're not building this. It was as simple as that. So I'm running my mouth off, and here we come into a pandemic and an economic crisis, and me going, oh, no, Lord, oh, no, Lord, what do we do? And I remember at one point saying, then we freeze construction if we have to. If that's what it takes, we will freeze it. We won't move a shovel until the money comes, but we will not. I know their moms. We're not going to tell them that we can't help their children. And you know what was awesome? Oh, I love Jesus so much. We didn't have to choose because in this last year, uh, and this is a round number, and Amy's going to have a very much more specific number, but I'm giving you a conservative one as of this morning. We're at $800,000 that you all have given to feeding, to clothing, to building schools, to keeping uh, the, the salaries of schools and teachers alive. That's happened here. That's what we're doing on the way through the mountains with our Sherpa of grace of Jesus. Thank you for that. We'll have more specific numbers, but you know, we gave Amy Christmas off. So what you do, figure out what Jesus, and follow Jesus, and do what Jesus says to do. Go to the word. You know, it's funny, most spirituality is about don't do this and don't do that, and we get so busy doing the don'ts. But what if spirituality is more about just doing the do's, and you get so busy doing the do's that you don't have time to do the don'ts? Isn't that a better way to follow Jesus through grace? One thing that Pasong helped us with real quick was, hey, what you're wearing is kind of important when you're going to hike through the Himalayas. I showed up with a coat from Academy Sports, some lovely socks and a sleeping bag, and Pasong was like, nope, that's not going to work. You're going to get up there. You're going to be miserable. You're, it's not the right kind of clothing for this. It's going to be cold. It's going, so he took me to a, a secondhand shop in Kathmandu, and what it turns out is in Kathmandu, rich Europeans hike this thing once, and then they go back and they unload their stuff at the, uh, at, at, at the secondhand store. And so I managed to pick up, you guys remember me from uh, uh, the, the, uh, Beyond Our Walls, that big giant quilt with a hood on it. Like That was, that was from a Kathmandu North Face store. I think I paid like 50 bucks for it, but that was what I needed to get through the Himalayas, and as it turns out, what I needed to get through a giant blustery cold day standing on a stage with no wind chill. Uh, what we wore was going to be very important. The, the sleeping bag, some of it, absolutely, if I went in there with the wrong clothes, could have killed me, right? But I had the wrong clothes. But for the most part, if I go in there with my clothes, uh, maybe it wouldn't kill me, but it'd make me miserable. My feet would be cold. I'd be shivering all night long. I would be just because I didn't have the right clothes. Look what Jesus says here in chapter 22, verse 12. Look, I'm uh, wrong. Verse
followers. He says in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they might be they have the right of the tree of life and may go through the gates of the city. How do you wash your robes? They are washed in the blood of the lamb. If I try to get into that city wearing my work, my religion, my good enough, my I'm going to do. This is why it's important that we're following the gospel of grace of Jesus. You understand that there's a lot of people that want to tell you right now that there's a Jesus out there that was just a really good guy. And, and all that matters is just being a good person. You know, that's a doctrine. It's called doctrine of salvation by works. And it doesn't work. There are those who would say that Jesus is a really good teacher. And he could just teach you in and be great about it. And that's great, except that's not the Jesus that can get you through the Himalayan mountains, through the mountains of trials and tribulations. What you need is the Jesus who is the Jesus of Christ, the one that understands that you and I we were so desperately wicked that nothing short of the death of the Son of God could save us and so loved that he did it gladly. That's the gospel of grace. And that's the gospel that says it's not just the starting point, it's the whole point, right? And when I wear those clothes, it changes everything about me. It, it changes the way I pray. If, if that's my Sherpa going through these mountains, if you have ever uttered the words, I just need to pray harder, that's religion. The gospel of grace is that Jesus has done it. I'm just his son of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am not a worm. I am loved and pursued by God. I can stand in grace and in freedom for that. Not about, you've heard me say it a hundred times, and it's worth one more mention. In that parable of the stranger walking through and he's knocking on the door trying to get in and how many times have we heard that that, that that's you just if you just keep praying harder just keep praying longer that eventually you'll wear down God and he'll eventually give in to what you want for him except that the problem with that is remember what we say if you know who you are in the parable it changes everything because where were the children in that parable they were in bed with the father they weren't on the outside knocking and begging to get in. They were inside, loved and accepted by their father. That's who you are. That's the gospel of grace. That's the clothing that you want to put on. Because if you put on the clothing that doesn't get you through the Himalayas, you can be there, you can be miserable, but it's unnecessary. And when you put on the robes of righteousness, when you, Ephesians 4 says, put on that righteousness, put on the new man, that's the language that he's using. And it's a beautiful promise. I would say this, and then we'll move on. If your grace isn't scandalous, it's probably not. You don't understand it yet. If, if your grace isn't amazing, you probably don't quite understand it yet because that's how amazing that grace is. That's the Sherpa that gets us through. And the last thing I want to share is this. Pasong knew where we were going. You see, Pasong was a Sherpa, and he had been through these mountains before. He lived in these mountains. He knew where we were going because he'd been there. When you read this, you see Jesus, verse 16, I've sent my angel 
as a testimony to the churches. I'm the root of David, the offspring of David. I'm the bright and the morning star. He, uh, just a few verses earlier, says, I'm the alpha and I'm the omega. I was at the beginning. I am at the end. The beauty of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, is that he's already been there. And he was already there in the past. I don't know how it works other than whatever the election, January 21st, whatever happens, Jesus is already there. Whatever happens in four years, whatever happens in four minutes, Jesus has gone before us. That's what Deuteronomy 31.8, you can write it down, go there later, that he has gone before you. He's already been there. And Pasong had been there before. I learned something about Sherpas this year that I had never heard before. Maybe you know this. I felt kind of silly that I did not know this. And that is that Pasong is a Sherpa, but his job is a guide. Here's why that's an important distinction. Sherpa is a tribe. It's a bloodline. It's a genetic people. It is a tribe of people called the Sherpas. And the Sherpas can be, there are guides who are not Sherpas, but a legitimate Pasong is a legitimate Sherpa. That is his bloodline, and he serves as a guide. Now, why is that an important distinction? Scientists have studied the blood of Sherpa, the Sherpa people. And they have found that there is something very unique, very special about the blood of a Sherpa that no other people on the planet have. That includes the people from the Andes Mountains in South America, from the people in Kilimanjaro in Africa. There's very something very specific, special about the blood of a Sherpa that can get you through this mountain because their blood will withstand the pressure. Their blood can withstand the lack of oxygen. Their blood, you need the blood of a Sherpa to secure and to guarantee your success. Does it remind you of anyone? <laughs> of anyone, of, a, of the grace of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was pure, that was unaffected by our sin because he was sinless. And because of his blood, he can now lead us into the kingdom that he wants us to go to. I have one last thing I want to share with you. On this journey, the one thing that our Sherpa and his blood did for us was this. He gave us porters. Just a few months ago, you may remember this, we were trying to figure out how to get food into the Himalayan mountains because there was starvation happening on untold numbers and nobody could get food to them. And I thought, well, Pasong's out of work. I bet he knows how to get food into. So we were looking at yak rentals. Like if you ever, who, if anybody wants to start like yakbnb.com, I just feel there's a, it's niche, but there's a market waiting for you out there. But, but, Pasong was able to hire porters. Now, porters were the ones that would carry our stuff for us. So Pasong was the Sherpa that led us, but he would load up these bags on the backs of porters, and he would sell to us, look, 50 pounds is what you can take in your bag, okay? Now, I showed up with like 500 pounds because I didn't know. I thought I needed all this stuff. I looked on YouTube, and he's like, oh, no, you don't need this. You don't need that. He wasn't trying to be a buzzkill. He's just saying, look, you can carry all this stuff, but you don't need it, and it's going to slow you down, and it's going to make your life worse. Why don't you 
Trust me that the things I'm going to tell you to put in this bag are the things you're going to need to survive to the top and then let this porter carry it for you. And these porters, I'm telling you what, these little boogers, like they picked up that bag, they'd pick up two bags, 100 pounds on their back. And by the time we reached the next destination, they were already there. They'd set up camp. They had our bag spread out. Like They'd already showered, called their parents. I don't know. They'd been there. But listening to Pasong quite literally saved my life because I could have I could have carried that bag, maybe, dragging it up. When Jesus says, my load is easy, my burden is light, what do you think he meant? Let me carry this for you. Let me load this up to the top for you. I showed you a video at the beginning, and some of you already know this, and so I don't mean to uh, show you something you already know, but some of you don't, so entertain me if you already know this. But I showed you the very beginning, the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas video. And if you've seen this before, you know, but if you've never seen this before, you'll never be able to not see this again. Linus with his security blanket. Remember Linus? He wasn't the gross, dirty one, he was, but he had to have a security blanket wherever he went. And it was Linus that stood up and read the Christmas story. And did you notice? Maybe you did. He dropped his blanket when he read the Christmas story. Charles Schultz didn't do anything by accident. Charles Schultz was telling us a story that when I understand the real, what did Charlie Brown say? What is the real meaning of Christmas? Can anyone tell me the real meaning of Christmas? And Linus tells the real meaning of Christmas and drops his blanket. The thing that he was carrying, the burden that he had, that he, that he thought was making him safe, he put it down. Because Emmanuel, God with us, means I don't have to carry that anymore. And then at the very end, he takes the blanket and he places it under the tree. Charles Soltz, preaching the gospel in 1965. And I would suspect that there are those of us that you've got that thing that you are carrying. For me, I'll tell you what it is. It's information. I just want to understand. I just want this to make sense. I just, if I can understand this, then I will feel safe. Then I will feel secure. And I don't know about you, and 10 months later, how's it working out for you? It's just this thing. And it, there are days I just need to put the blanket under the tree and let the gospel of grace power me through these next few weeks, months, years, and into eternity. I don't know what it is for you, but I suspect that you do. I suspect that you don't have to think very hard, that there's probably something that you're holding on to, a blanket, if you will. And you know what? Jesus doesn't love you any less. You can carry it, absolutely carry it, and be miserable. It's just up to you. It's not Jesus' will for you. It's just saying, if you just put it down, just listen to me, it's, your life's going to be so much better. So whatever that is today, I would challenge you to let the grace of Jesus, the Sherpa, lead you through these weeks of, whether it's through addiction, whether it's through anxiety, whether it's through joblessness, whatever it is, the uncertainty. I mean, for crying out loud, a bomb went off in Nashville Friday, okay? We're all just going to sit around here and act like that didn't happen, but because it did. But the grace of Jesus, that will Sherpa us through all of this. 
This last year, we've needed that more than I can remember in my entire adult life. There was no playbook for this. There was no manual for this. But I'm here to tell you, 10, 11 months in, there was an Emmanuel for this. We've made decisions as a church. Some were great, some were bad, some were right, some were wrong. But we made them all trying our best to listen to Emmanuel. And in 2021, let's put it down under the tree, under the cross, under the grace of Jesus, and step back up again and follow Jesus into the mountains that are in front of us. Mountains are scary. Mountains are hard. But man, they're beautiful. I've seen some things in my travels that I just, no photograph will ever, ever capture. And the only way that I got to them was by putting in the work. Kelly, when we got to the Murchison Falls, it wasn't easy, was it, guys? No. But man, it was worth it. God, it was worth it. Imagine the reward that Jesus has as you press through. It's going to be worth it. I'm coming. My reward is with me. It's going to be worth it. Stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give my blanket to you. My blanket of my desire for information, Lord, you know it's not a desire to be right. It's just a desire to know truth. Lord, I put that under the tree, under the cross, and I run it through the grace of Jesus. And I invite you to be that Sherpa for me, to go with me this week. Go with my brothers and sisters this week. Those who are struggling in addiction, those who are struggling in emotional, mental health, those who are struggling with physical health, health. Lord, you're with us. Let that inform us and our decisions as we move into the end of this year and into the beginning of next. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy New Year, guys. God bless you. We love you. If I don't see you before, we'll see you in the new year.